Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. Today is March 12th, 2023. It is Sunday here in beautiful Eretz Israel. We have just finished Purim. We are now in the time between Purim and Pesach, which everyone starts running around cleaning and preparing. And it is a very exciting, busy time to be in Israel. I love this time of year. But that's what all we women think during Purim. Just so all of you who don't know that, all we're thinking is, as soon as this is over, we got to get to work. It's like our last hurrah. And it was a very, very beautiful Purim this year. I actually had visitors here from Hawaii, from Florida, staying with me in Susia, and I showed them around, and um, they met a lot of our medics, and it was really awesome. And um, if any of you, you know, want to come and spend the holidays in Israel and that you want to come to Susia, let me know, because... There are people who rent out apartments here, and that's how that works. And it is really, really easy and really nice. Um, we have a beautiful uh, forum here. We have a big uh, issue party, and uh, people are dancing in the streets, and we exchange packages, meal packages, Mishloach Manot, and uh, it's just awesome. And then we had a barbecue. It was really, really nice and really relaxed. The weather was great, and, you know, it's very green. And um, it's a long day and, you know, it, it goes from one night to the next night and the day before is a fast. And I'll just tell you this, the day of the fast, I went to a funeral and it was for a man I met about 10 years ago when I began fundraising. And he was such a big help to me and such a big cheerleader for me um, even now. And, and I've, you know, gone to a different organization and we've, we've maintained contact. He was an older man, maybe 85 so encouraging and sometimes you find people like that in your life they're just encouraging and you kind of stick to them because we all need people like that to kind of pat us on the back and say yeah keep going you can do it you can do it and he was such a sweet man and he made me feel so um i I guess important you know he made me feel important he actually had a nickname for me i only saw him like once a year when I would be traveling, we met at APAC. He would come here and do something. I would be in his area. He was from uh, Chicago. And uh, at the funeral, he has five children. They're adult children. And they all spoke. And <laughs> they all said that he was their cheerleader. And he made them feel special in his little special ways. And I just thought to myself, wow. I thought it was just me. I thought I was the only one who who knew this event. You know, he made special. I guess he was he, made, he did that to everybody, and um, it was really uh, funny to hear that. And if uh, you know people like that are, are rare, I, I have not found many like that. And um, I think we all could use somebody in our corner who's always like that for us. And if you find someone like that, a friend like that, a supporter, a parent, or a teacher, or whoever. Um, stick with them because they're really valuable and I will miss I will miss him. Um, we have a guest with us today from South Africa, Clive Dallas, who made Aliyah from Cape Town, I believe. And he moved twice. So he made Aliyah twice, once in 2009, and he stayed for about uh, six months and he didn't like it. Something happened. He'll tell us about it. But then he came back. 
He came back 10 years later, 2021, and he's here to stay. And um, we're going to hear that. And I, and I want, I think it's very important to have something like this on the air because so many people do, unfortunately, have a bad experience and they give up. But you don't have to give up forever, okay? Just like if you fail something, it doesn't mean you fail forever. You know, try again, try again. And he did. And I'm very happy to have him here today. Clive, are you with us? I'm with you. Yeah, I'm here. Did I, did I uh, say that properly? Was that correct? No, no. I came in 2009 in April. I left in September 2010. So I spent a year and a half, nearly two okay. years. Just okay, okay. Sort of two years. Okay. And it was, it's interesting. It was a tough space. I think you're not expecting, you know, you come here with high expectations, expectations of a new life, an easier life, a life that's full of passion and fire because it's the fire that gets you here. You, you're Jewish. First of all, you, you want to become Israeli. You want to go to a country where you part of the majority, you, the majority secular space in this it's Israel. It's for, it's for Jews. I'm Jewish. I'm back in, I'm in Israel. Um, yes, there's other nations that live here and exist here in perpetuity. That's fine. But you are part of the majority. And I think that's what everyone wants to be. You don't want to be part of the isolated spaces. There's too much of that in the world where small de- uh, denominations of people are isolated or worldwide. So you come with that with that aspiration. I read the Israeli constitution before I even got on the plane. It was amazing. <laughs> Women and men are equal. Everyone's equal under the under the nation's flag. Everyone's got the opportunity. No matter how old you are, you can work till you're 75 years old if you want to. If that's your version in, in life, and it's appealing. When you're coming mm-hmm. from a country where things are starting to become unraveled. I mean, the South African constitution, not that I want to be political, it's an, it's an amazing constitution if they go to the letter. But they manipulate yeah. it. And they're manipulating yeah. it to their own personal gain now, which is what that ANC government does right now. But that's not why I came here. I left because I'd had enough. I wanted a new opportunity. I wanted to be part of, of this um Jewish identity, fulfill my obligation and and come to Israel. And coming here was amazing. You come here with a smile on your face. That's something I always say to people. I came here with my typical South African smile because South African people are generally happy, whether they're black or white, they're always smiling. They take the knocks in life. They take the positive in life. They make things happen. And you come here with a smile into Israel. You get off this plane with this um, excitement and fulfillment and whatever, and you then realize within probably a couple of days, your smile actually means nothing. Because if you're smiling in Israel, there's something wrong with you. And that's, <laughs> oh, the that's the Israeli way. The country mm. is angry. The people are angry. They blame everything. If it's the peace is blamed, blamed on the Arabs. The, the weather is blamed on Hashem. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. They don't want the hot. They don't want the ice cold. It's, there's no in-between balance. But it's still in, in, in its core the most beautiful place on earth because spiritually it's right there. It's okay. Weird. You said, you, you said some very interesting things. Can I just jump in for a second, Clive? You said, you know, in other places or South Africa, people walk around with smiles on their face. I remember people telling me, and, and, and then you said here, no one's smiling. Everyone's angry and everyone is blaming. Um, now you didn't say, but you, you said that you're painting that as being negative. Okay. It's not. It's. I think it's a reality. It's. It's yeah. not a negative. They justify it. I mm-hmm. mean, I spoke to Israelis in the first time that I arrived, and I said, "What's the story about people being so angry?" They said, "We live in perpetual war. 
we live in these uncertain times. But I said, but it's not my fault. I'm Israeli. I'm South African. I've come here with a smile on my face. Can't you smile back? Yeah, it's it's. And then you get almost tarnished because you you're a new immigrant. And I say to them, listen, guys, Israel's only seventy odd years old. I think it was sixty nine or sixty eight years old at the time. Everyone's immigrant here. Right, Everyone right. came from a, as an immigrant. Right. Your grandparents were immigrants. Your great grandparents are immigrants. You are sons or daughters of immigrants, right. and your children will be sons and daughters of an immigrant line of people. Let's just embrace that space and say, you know what? We've got the opportunity here to bring in all these nations under this Jewish identity and create a very harmonious place without blame, without frustration, without irritation. There are realities to life. We know the weather's difficult here. We know it gets super hot. I mean, something like 55 degrees in the shade. It's insane. And then yeah. in the cold, it can be minus two. It can be two degrees in Jerusalem. And the year I was here, it snowed in Jerusalem. They had something like 30 inches of snow throughout Jerusalem. We saw okay, pictures. Uh, okay, okay. Aside from the, the complaints and the weather, why don't you tell me or tell all of us, um, you came here because you wanted to be part of the majority. I think a lot of us do that. You're right about that. I'm 100% with you on that. It's our country. It's the only one we've got. And if you are Jewish and you've lived any other place, you're you're part of the minority. Okay, it's it's horrible in, in a lot of ways. So here we're not. Here we're this is ours. Okay, we're in charge. It's great. What um what was it like for you when you when you came? What was you know step by step? Do you remember back then? What I remember, besides? I, I remember I remember the plane trip, which was long. It was quite entertaining. There were a lot of kids on it, so everyone and there were a lot of singing and. Yeah, we were one of the first group that came that they did the the Todatihut on uh-huh. the in the air. They nice. took all our information in the air in the airplane. We landed in we landed in Tel Aviv. They took us from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem for a two night stay at a hotel. And wow. the second day that we were here, we all went into um we were, we were bust into Jerusalem to the Wailing Wall. They had the Israeli flags there. They had government ministers. They had music playing. I thought, I even joked, I said, we're trying to sneak into Israel. No, no, no. I read some media were there. They took photo, photographs of myself, my wife, and my two children at the Wailing Wall. And we were page three of the paper the next day. It was insane. I said, we definitely didn't sneak in here. But oh, that's, did, that is unusual. That's that, I didn't know that happened. That's very nice. They lined us all up, and we were given our Israeli Tudatsuhut straight away. All right, those of you listening, a Tudatsuhut is the identity card, the identity number. And um, what Clive is talking about, getting it in the air, he means he actually processes on the airplane. And usually this is a government office you have to go to, wait in long, long line. It's a big hassle, but um, he's got it taken care of. How did that happen? Through the Jewish agency? Is that what happened? Yeah. Agency, they had organized it. This was the first group of Ulim that they were going to try this thing in in there. And it worked amazingly. We all arrived. It was celebrations. And after that, we went to the hotel. Um, There they had lined up banks and um, uh, medical and people to give you advice. I mean, I signed up a bank account straight away the the next morning. I signed up for medical aid the next morning. I signed up for... um, it was um, home from Okay, uh, we, we've got to take a break. We've got to take a quick break, so we'll be right back. But your experience that first time was pretty unusual, pretty amazing, very smooth, and very welcoming. Um, but stay with us. We'll, we'll be back, and you'll continue when we come back after these messages, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We're continuing our talk today with Clive Dallas, who made Aliyah in 2009 from Cape Town, South Africa with his family. And he is just telling us about the amazing, welcoming experience he had with the Jewish agency on his Aliyah. Um, he was just telling me off air that there were 78 people on his flight who had made Aliyah. So there was a big, big group. Um, the Clive, why don't you continue? They they put you in a hotel. They had all the banks and all the all these services lined up for you, as if you know, first day of college, you you can. Yeah, it, was no, it was very easy. It was, it was absolutely amazing. I actually opened a bank account that same the, the next morning. I joined the medical aid, Clalit, uh, the next morning. Everything was done. Met with a few people, interesting people. Um, we had some Israeli breakfast. Obviously, we had lovely Israeli type food for lunch and dinner. They gave us a voucher each for our transport the next morning, and they took us by a little uh, microbus to the areas mm-hmm. that you were designated to be, because you had booked these homes already. Mm-hmm. I ended up in Tiberias, just outside Tiberias, a kibbutz called Kibbutz Bedzera. And again, when we arrived there, there was a family waiting for us to welcome us. They'd given us a, almost like a family mom and dad there to help us ease into the space. I, I remember on the bus, I mean, our first shell shock was the bus driver put on the radio and it was Israeli music and Hebrew, like, bombarded. Nice. Wow, this is going to be insane. But, you know, an exciting still. Arrived to this home. On the way there, got him to stop at one of the little supermarkets. I had shekels. I had lots of shekels on me. Rushed in there because I needed nappies and formula for the baby because we weren't sure what's going to be, you know, what the shopping was like in Tiberias and whether it's open and that. Um, bought what I needed to. Arrived at this kibbutz, Bedzera. They met us at the gate. They took us to this home. It was kitted out. They had furniture in it. They opened the fridge. There was groceries in it. They These guys had really done a number. Wow. They really wow. made it easy for us to be there. And it was nice to be welcomed into that space. Right. And then we, then we were left alone to acclimatize, started unpacking our stuff. Uh, the joke of the, the whole joke of our thing is um, – when I left Cape, uh, when I left Durban, to, uh, Cape or Joburg actually, because we flew from Durban to Joburg, I left Joburg. Most of the earlier people had a bag on their back and a suitcase. I had thirty-four bags with me. <laughs> That's a lot. We were, over, we were over like you won't believe. And even LL, that was quite quite a strange little thing. LL themselves, they. We, uh, we fed through these 32 bags, and the, 34 bags, and they said, yeah, yeah, stop, stop, stop. And we were, I think we were allowed um, Two 90, each. Eight, 90 or 65 kilos each. Our total came up to 420 kilos. And they said to me, okay, we're going to have to pay. It's like $3,500. And I said, well, I don't have dollars on me. I've only got shekels. They wouldn't take the shekels, and I've got only cash. So they Eventually, they, I had South African rands on me, a thousand rand. And I said to this is what I've got in the, in the, the money that you can use here in Joburg. They said, okay, give us a thousand rand. And they put everything on the plane. Wow, you landed, are so lucky. <laughs> when we landed in Ben Gurion, everybody sat on this revolving little where you get your baggage from and picked up their suitcase and whatever. I ended up getting a porter trolley, one of these yeah. long four-meter right. porter trolleys, and we loaded our stuff on there. Uh, it was okay, insane. I actually that is insane. It is insane. And, I, I, and I've got to interrupt. Why did that happen? Why did you have 34 ba- suitcases, you mean? Like pieces of luggage, right? Pieces of luggage. I took my half I took pots and pans. <laughs> I, 
I sold everything and took what I believed I was going to need in, in Israel. That's right. I, brought, I think I brought That's 20 pairs of shoes. All right. So what did the other people do? When you're saying everybody was making oh yeah, how come they only had a backpack and a, and a suitcase? Maybe that's all they they wanted to bring. Maybe they were mm-hmm. unsure. Maybe they were stricter. Right. I just thought you know, I'm going to take what I can. And right. I thought I thought I was under the limit. You know, I had gone to a friend and he worked in a printing company, and I weighed my bag. So almost every day I was weighing a bag and then tying it up, and weighing a bag and tying it up, and calculating them at twenty kilos a bag. Um, but at the end of it, I just we had to have three cars take us to the airport. Didn't they have limits? Didn't the Jewish agency tell you you had limits or no? No, because you actually, from then on, you handle yourself through the airline. Yeah, so it's Uh all about the airline. They don't say anything. You're just looking, you're flying LL, and they've got a limit of 60, I think it was 60 kilos per person, including Uh the children. So we should have had 240 kilos. We ended up with 380 kilos. Okay, so let's move on because I, I, we could talk about this all day. Yeah, what? Um, so you got you got to your place. You're unloading. You're you're basically setting up house in this kibbutz house, right? Yeah, we set up house. It was a, it was good. It was amazing. It was different. It was quiet. It was a park for the kids. It was everything you dream about for children. Because I mean, that's right. what you come here for. And they say go to a kibbutz or moshav as a, with children because it's nice and safe and it's tranquil and there's no bustling traffic. And it was all those things. We had a right. park within walking distance to where, where we lived. We had a shook. We had a gun there. A gun is a kindergarten for the kids right. to go to. And we booked them all into those places. And wonderful. within a week, uh, my son, my oldest son, he was six years old. So he was already in the gun and he was very popular. He was blue eyed, blonde hair. The Israelis loved him. He was, they called him Yofi beautiful uh, mm-hmm. the beautiful boy and all the girls wanted to kiss him and then all the boys wanted to kiss him so we got a bit worried there but it was all good in the in the, mm. <laughs> the the little my little daughter was one and a half so that was a bit of a struggle because um we couldn't just let her go anywhere but the guns were good there we put yeah. them in a gun and right. within a month i think three weeks they then enrolled us into the ulpan down the road which was about five, six k's away, and there was a bus that you used to get to the open every day. Right. And that right. Was, so, that so you were all set up. So the kids had something yeah. to do during the day, and the adults had something to do during yeah. the day. And that That's was, right. That was, a, that was a shell shock as well. The open is difficult. The language is difficult as a newcomer anyway, but we spent days verbs, and it was verbs. I remember the word gar. Gar means love. And I remember mm-hmm. the word gar, garim, garot, garti. And right. after weeks and weeks of different verbs, I was I was actually going insane. <clears throat> I even said to this teacher, she came to me, we were in the classroom the one day, and oh, we had Russians and people from Spain and Venezuela, all Olechadash coming to do this open. <clears throat> and she said to me, I had my book upside down, uh, the, the book I was learning, learning out of. She said to me, but your book's upside down. I said, it doesn't matter to me. I can't read this way and I can't read the other way. <laughs> you know, I want to learn kitchen Hebrew. I want to be able to go into town and talk to people. That's where I need you to to, be, to take me. She says, Open's not going to do that. They want to teach you the language properly. So lo and behold, I lasted two months at Open, and then I decided that's it. I can't do the Open. I'm I'm a father. I want to make money. Yes, we've got the clitter. We've got this basket that they give you, and which is something like 5,000, 6,000 shekels a month, which is amazing. I mean, the Israeli government and whoever sponsors that really, really does a good number for you to support you financially in your first six months at Israel. I mean, That's you get right. free 
medical aid, you get free schooling, and you get this money as well, which really sets you up. Because I don't think many people coming here without money are going to really find it easy in Israel. And for right. us, it was easy. We, I mean, I bought some cash with me because I sold up a lot of stuff in South Africa, probably the equivalent of about 30,000 shekels I brought with me. <clears throat> so we bought new TV, new half you know, things as we went along. So within three or four months of living on the kibbutz, we had already bought everything we needed. And then I bought a car, which mm-hmm. was also a bonus to, to suddenly have transport now that you don't have to be busing this. It really set us up as a very positive thing forward. All right. So, so, so good. So this, uh, this is, this is all positive so far. Um, and needless to say, I did yeah. leave the, I did leave the open and I got in touch with the house parents of the kibbutz that we were on. And I said, listen, I'm interested. I'm not going to do this anymore. I want to move to Tel Aviv because I think there's more opportunities in English. And she said, hold on. I've got a friend down the road. He owns a restaurant. Now I know that I can cook. Obviously I've been cooking since I was six years old. It was always a backup career path for me. So I went for an interview at this place and they said, start straight away. The next day I was started, started work at this big restaurant, 600 seater restaurant. And we never looked back. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. You're the first chef I think I've ever had on the show. I think yeah, who actually months, came as a chef. Six months later, I'd had enough of this um, restaurant because the Israeli management style is scream. If they scream loud, they are the boss. If they scream louder, they are right. Whether you're right or wrong, doesn't matter. Whoever screams loudest is right. And I'm not a screamer. I have too much respect for myself. And obviously, I do want to work. I'm doing the best I can, guys. Um, But needless to say, they put me in charge. I was promoted to uh, a manager. Within three months, I was managing their whole line. But I had Israelis working for me, young Israelis who are army Israelis, all speak English. And I built up this huge team. And it, it was absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, I then got offered a job in, um, can, I, can I say the names of the companies? Sure, yeah. So this was at Seltamar. Seltamar is a big, big, well-known restaurant in Tiberias area. It's on one of the one of the kibbutzes there. The owners live on the kibbutz outside the restaurant. So it's, and they've got a huge reputation. I was offered a job at Moses. Moses Rahati Hell. And... Um, I'm a burger guy. I can cook burgers with my eyes closed. And this was right up my alley to go into um, Tel Aviv to live in Ramat Gun. I found an apartment in Ramat Gun and I went and started work for Moses. That is just <clears> awesome. <throat> that is so exciting. So this is like your first uh, six months here. Yeah. And yeah, so it was good money. Good yeah. Business. I had a car. I had all the positives. But what 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 I'd like to the, your listeners to just understand, something that you, hits you almost like a train during your first stay in Israel, whether it's positive or negative. I had a very positive space up until then, is you get homesick. You start reminiscing about friends you've left behind, family you've left behind. And <clears throat> excuse me, that, that creates that uncertainty for you because your heartstrings are being pulled apart. Okay, we're going to stop you. I got to stop. We, we have to take a break. And yep. I'm also gonna I'm also gonna comment on that because that does not happen for everybody. I, I have to tell it doesn't happen for everybody, and it's something you have to discipline yourself about. But we'll talk talk about it when we come back. Okay, so stay right there, everyone. Please stay with us. We'll be back with Clive after this break.
And welcome back to Returning Home. This is Natalie Sapinski. And we are continuing our talk with Clive Dallas, who was just telling us his successful Aliyah, um, becoming a chef, uh, leaving Ulpan early and hopping from one amazing restaurant position to another. And um, he was just ending the last segment, and I'm going to repeat it. I'll paraphrase if I can, and Clive, you'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, he said something like, you start to miss your home. You start to miss your family and friends. And you said it, Clive, in a way that was like a statement that applies to everyone. And I said off the air, that's not true. That's not necessarily true for everyone. So let's get into that a little bit, okay? Okay, um, yeah. Um, it happened to you. So what happened? No, it's just, I think you, like I said, everything was going so well. It was so positive. We were stepping forward and going forward and achieving so much. And you knew in the country, you're working tough hours. You're working 10, 12-hour shifts. There's no time to social. Your social is your family, your wife and your children. And in that space, you start realizing that there's something missing. Yes, you've got all the fruits of your of, of your heart and all the strings that are being pulled in the right direction. But you know, we coming when you t- take Alia, when you met, you immigrate immigrate to a country, you do leave a lot behind, and a lot of it is your memories, your friends, your family. You know, not everyone's lucky enough to bring their family. I've spoken to many people who have come on their own and felt very similarly and i'm not saying it's negative it's just it's a real space and i think if you understand that and what what i'm trying to show you or tell your listeners is if you understand that that's a natural cause and effect of an immigration this hopefully will give you the impetus to go past it because i didn't go past it i let those heartstrings be pulled and eventually packed up and left and went back to south africa to the same country that i left behind and i walked into the same reasons and within six months of being back in South Africa, I realized I'd made the biggest mistake in my life. I should have mm-hmm. stayed where I was and fought through those emotions. Mm-hmm. Places like Telfed, who are big, big, big here in Israel and worldwide, or South Africa, why to bring the Olim here? They don't understand that space. They mm-hmm. need to understand that space because there's. I'm not the only group that went back. Lots of people go back. They okay. stay here six months. They wait until they have to honor the clitter because you, you get this money for free, but you've got to stay here a certain amount of time. And once that time elapses, lapses, they're on planes and gone back. Mm-hmm. Family have paid the trip or friends or moms and dads have paid the trip. And it happens to a lot of people. Okay. okay. The retention of earlier people, it's, it's quite tragic. Okay. But no, that being said, I went back and realized I'd made a big mistake, but I I spent 10 more years in South Africa. And it got unattainable. Mm -hmm. South Africa collapsed. It's collapsing around, around almost, it's in ruins too. The basics are in ruins. Mm -hmm. Crime, murder, all those things are up now. They're number one in the world for for murder, number one in the world for rape. I don't want to paint them negative. It's a beautiful country, and it is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. It's just a pity it's been run to the dogs. But Mm -hmm. less that being said, we decided after 10 years living in beautiful Cape Town that things weren't exactly how we wanted them. And your heartstring in Israel, you are an Israeli citizen, even though you're not there anymore, you, you can honorably come back. And there's no, there's no face, you don't lose face by doing that. 
We saved oh, up the money. Of course not. The, uh, the opposite. Up, <laughs> exactly. We saved up the money and came again with the same excitement. I came first and my wife and children followed uh, two months later. Set up a little home with a with, uh, um, uh, member of my family, extended member of my family, stayed there for a few months, got a job within two, two three, three weeks of living uh, back in Israel. And that's the positive. There is lots of work in Israel. If you want to work, there are factories, there's packing, there's menial work where you meet all the Russians and the Eritreans and the uh, yeah, the guys from Uganda and all, but you meet them all and you work side by side, equal shoulder to shoulder, earning good money, working long hours, but you can work and you can make. Right, right. You can, you, you, you that's, a very good, that's a very good uh, immigrant attitude that, you're, that yeah. you're saying. A lot of interesting things that um, it, it's so true. It's so true with your eyes wide open. You really can come here and be part of the country. And yeah. um, I've, I've come back with the same smile I came back with, good. but not going to let it be deterred if no one smiles back. And you know what? This time around, I've been here a year again. I came in um, October 2021. I've been here a year again. Back to where we were. I've got a lovely home on a mashav in near Kriyat Malachi. I bought a car in Israel. I'm on my fourth job in Israel because obviously you don't get fired. If you feel that it's not what you want, you can work a few months and you move on. I wanted right. particular working hours. I wanted Shabbat, uh, Shishi and Shabbat off at one stage. I wanted time with my family. I don't want to work till 10, 12 o'clock at night. And slowly, 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 I've made my way into a new group of uh, chain of um, well-known restaurants in central Israel. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'll, I'll punt them. The, the name of the restaurant's called Kramim. They've got an amazing chef who heads, heads uh, the cooking team. He's a good guy. He's a fant fabulous, fantastic guy. Huge, huge human being, genuine human being. Got a big heart, and he speaks English. Mm -hmm. he speaks English fluently, yes. and speaks, so it suits me nicely. I've got lovely hours. I work from eight o'clock, eight thirty in the morning till five thirty in the evening. So I'm home with my family at night and creating that new life. And it's good. The, the people that are thinking of Aliyah, there's work. I mean, I see these ads on uh, on Facebook, looking people looking for work, but they want skills in their own space. Guys, you don't know the Hebrew language yet. So if you want to have the same job that you had in Chicago or Cape Town or Romania, you first got to come here and learn the language. Then you got to stand in line and qualify for the job. Okay, yes. well, wait a second. Just a second there, Clive, because you didn't. So how can you tell people that people can come here with their English? They need English here. Uh, I disagree with you. Um, I've had z different opinions of people coming on the show. I've had people come here and say, "Come, you got to come to the language. You got to know the language. You've got to make an effort." And I agree. Socially, you do. It really is very, very helpful. And maybe some of that loneliness wouldn't have um, happened had you been more, you know, uh, part of a social scene. But you know, you you were working. You know, you're a family yeah. member. You're working all the time. No, um, what, what, I'm, what, what, where I'm going with it, what I'm trying to say about that is that if you're a salesman in America or Cape Town and you sell and market in English, you can't expect to be a salesman and marketing guy in Israel until you know Hebrew. If you know Hebrew, you'll get the jobs, line up with the jobs because they are available. There's lots of work in Israel. If you are a lawyer, you're going to need to be lawyer, a lawyer in Hebrew. If you Again, are, I thought it's Clive. I, I have to disagree with you, and I strongly disagree with you because you're yeah. you're just wrong. There is English, a, a very strong English market for English speakers. A lot of Israeli companies market the rest of the world, and they need English. 
uh, I see tons of jobs for people who speak English in Israel, either working from home, hybrid, partly from the office. If you have English, you have a leg up. My husband is an English teacher at the Ben Gurion University, and he is so busy. Those students need English. Okay, great. Um, Hebrew is for social. Now, you know, learn Hebrew as much as you can. Your kids are going to need it. It's great to be part of the country. And if you can learn Hebrew, yeah, you have a leg up. All of us do, because you can interview, you can talk to people, and you can have, you know, deal with people. But if you have English, you're, you're really, you're okay. You know, you can make it here, but you will always have, you know, that social issue. Um, yeah. But, and and well, that maybe, is... Maybe that's more, more where I'm leaning to. But yeah. uh, again, it's not, I'm not trying to make any negative space. Well, the positive I'm trying to put across is there is work in Israel. Yeah, lots the of it. It is booming. Um, it's boisterous. Yeah. I think the unemployment rate is something like three percent, which is negligible in a, in, a, in any country. It's negligible. It's not even worth mentioning. No, you're so, right about that. You're absolutely right about that. There's a lot of work here. You're right. And uh, the hours, the the, the 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 hourly wage is fair, decent. I mean, depending on your experience, you can get you know up to 50, 60, 70 shekels an hour, depending. So, and based on that, you can you can have a good life here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you meant you're 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 something. You're so funny. It's so funny because you're concentrating on the work, but you're. And I think you meant this, and you said this at the beginning, the quality of life here, and we say this over and over again on the program, it's very high. Yeah, very. I live here in, in where I have. I'm not going to give my address because I don't want to tempt negatives. Our door is unlocked all day. My wife is at work. I'm at work. My door is unlocked. My kid, my children get buses to school. It picks them up on the Mashav Saint, great, uh, gratefully. It drops them at 3, 3.30 in the afternoon. They spend a little bit of time on their own waiting for one of the parents to arrive. My wife gets here a little bit earlier than I do. The place is open. It's safe. Right. right. They walk to the park at nine o'clock at night. Right. To go and play soccer at the little um, makeshift little, well, it's an enclosed, yes. enclosed little space out there. There's dogs and cats all over the place. It's just, it's a very safe space to be. Yeah. I mean, I drive a car and the other day, it's always fearful, but I was pulled over by the police. They just decided to check my car. I don't know if I look suspicious. I'm normal. I didn't have a balaclava on. I, I wasn't wearing dark sunglasses, but they pulled me over and chatted. And let me see your license. Let me see that. Okay, have a wonderful day. Let me drive on. You just feel safe. I wasn't offended by that. I just yeah. thought, you know, you're looking for something. I could be that something. Thankfully, yeah. I'm not. Gratefully, I'm that for them, I'm not either. But yeah. those checks and balances are good. You get searched going to a shopping center sometimes. It's all sure. good. Yeah. There's visible policing. There's visible army. You feel really, really safe in this country. Yeah. yeah. And to positive, school is next to nothing for free. Medical comes off your wage. You pay medical because you have to. There you go. So you you covered medically. We've got a we've got a um a doctor on the mashal who represents Clalit. What a wonderful guy. Right. Can go there and if you're not feeling well, you go. He'll sort you out. It's That's just. Right. It is. One one thing that's changed since I, my first time coming here is this uh, Move It app. Wow, what an app to have! Oh, on move your- it! Oh, yeah. Oh, look. <laughs> I think we're out of time. I can't believe we're out of time. This has been so great, Clive. Thank you for joining us. You've really um, made a lots of a lot of uh, nice things. I thought it was going to be negative, not at all. Uh, and I'm, good I'm, luck. I'm, you you've really made a home here. I'll tell you how positive I am. I've burnt my South African passport and my South African ID. Wow. Yeah, for the rest of my life.
Wow. So you're here for us to stay. Thank you so I'll much. Anybody want to write in and ask questions, please do. Natalie at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I'll be happy to hear your questions, your comments. I love all your letters. Keep writing. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips with scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candlelighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from League City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Darba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Carr from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. opinion and more you're listening to israel news talk radio